words from the hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. Make welcome Pastor I.D. Ogofer. Good morning, church. You know, um, when I came in this morning, Pastor Mo said, how do you feel? And I said, I'll tell him later. So let me tell him now. I think it was about maybe eight or nine days ago when he sent me a message and said, you know, we need you to speak in church. And in those eight days, I have not ate well. <laughs> I have not walked well. I mean, every minute I'm thinking, really? Not because I'm afraid to stand and speak to people, but, you know, to be careful to speak what the mind of God is. And he does this. I mean, he comes on Sunday, we're sitting here, and he does it, and it seems effortless. And the thought that hit me was, does he go through these emotions in preparing? <laughs> Hallelujah. And then just when I was about getting myself together, I got up from worship and I saw Pastor Nigel. <laughs> but we give God glory. And um, I thank God that he gave me a word. And I thank God for all the prayer we've gone through this morning. I thank him for utterance. Um, I want to talk to us about inertia and exactly what it means. So um, I'm going to do a bit of teaching today because that's where I'm more comfortable flowing. And uh, I'm open to questions and reactions or comments as we go along. Um, what is inertia? I have three definitions there. It says the tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. That's inertia. The tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged. So if, if you're a science student, some of the science people are nodding because, I mean, they studied this. Another definition says the property of matter which continues in its existing state of rest or uniform motion, unless that state is altered by an external force. What this means is you're actually moving so you're not sitting still or doing nothing. You're moving, but you're moving at a constant um, pace that is not altered unless an external force alters it. But you're moving. And then the one I like most says is the resistance of an object to any change in its velocity, including changes to its speed, its direction, and its state of rest. It's the resistance. So I'm moving gently. Don't disturb me. Don't push me. Don't, I'm just going small, small. Leave me there. That's the one I like the most. Next slide. Now, before we jump into inertia, um, look at some synonyms, antonyms. I'm sure you've heard these words before. Lethargy. You know what lethargy is? How many of you have been lethargic? I suffer from it. You know, that, that, feeling, that state of doing nothing. And in that nothingness, you don't even want anybody to disturb you. That external force should just stay in one corner. Today is a day dedicated to nothing. So many times we're lethargic. We're passive. You know, you may be in church and you're hearing a message and there's no, what's, what's the word? There's no ginger. The man of God is sweating. You're just, mm -hmm. you shall finish. We'll go and eat jollof rice. There's complacency. There's unwillingness. These are words that mean the same thing as inertia. 
But when you look at the antonyms, antonyms are opposite words. It's velocity. It's what? It's movement. Speed. It's movement. It's vitality. You know the part I like the most? is readiness. It's readiness. We need to be ready. It's readiness. But I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about a woman called Edith. And we're going to read about her. You know, Edith married the pastor. She married the man of God. So in her household, the word of God was not scarce. She had God. I mean, her husband had God. So even if she was not hearing God, her husband would tell her what God was saying. All right? She was a mother. I mean, she lived in a godly environment. Her husband was the nephew of God's main man. God's mainest man in that season. Her husband was his nephew. So even if her husband was not hearing, at least the main man was hearing and would be able to tell his nephew that this is what the Lord is saying. So Edith was not, the word of God was not scarce around her. The counsel of God wasn't scarce where she was. She knew God. All right? She encountered angels. When we read the scriptures, you will see that angels came to her household and they were entertained. How were they entertained? She cooked for them. How many of you have cooked for an angel before? She cooked and served angels. So she was comfortable in the presence of God and she was comfortable in supernatural activity. But she also lived in a generation where there was eating and drinking and merriment. Does that remind you of Lagos? Somebody posted something on his um, DP and he said, I, can't, I don't know the days now, I think he said, Friday we do experience, Saturday we do Kadibi, Sunday we do McDowell, you know? There's just so much, that's Lagos. That was the environment she lived in. But who does Edith point to? Points to you. You are living in the supernatural. You are a child of God. You are hearing the word of God day in, day out. You're hearing the word. You're coming and you're experiencing beautiful worship. You know, you're in the presence of God. You're also living in a generation where there's so much merriment. Let us go to Genesis 19. And I'm going to read a bit quickly because I want to read the whole. And, you know, when you get back home, please just go through that scripture bit by bit. I'm going to read it really fast and in reading it really fast I will skip out some some verses. Genesis 19. If you have the NLT please. Very quickly it says the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. Lot was sitting at the city gate. He saw them and got up to welcome them bowing before them and said please my friends come to my house and stay the night. Wash up. You can rise early and be on your way refreshed. They said, no, we'll sleep in the streets. But he insisted. He wouldn't take no for an answer. And they relented and went home with him. And Lot fixed a hot meal for them and they ate. Before they went to bed, men from all over the city of Sodom, young and old, descended on the house from all sides and boxed them in. They yelled to Lot, where are the men who are staying with you for the night? Bring them out so we can have our spot with them. Lot went out, barring the door behind him and said, brothers, please don't be vile. Look, I have two daughters, as if that's not vile. Virgins, <laughs> let me bring them out. You can take your pleasure with them, but don't touch these men. They're my guests. They said, get lost. You drop in from nowhere, and now you're going to tell us how to run our lives? We'll treat you worse than them. And they charged past law to break down the door. 
But the two men reached out and they pulled Lot inside the house, locking the door. Then they struck blind the men who were trying to break down the door, both leaders and followers, leaving them groping in the dark. The two men said to Lot, do you have any other family here? Sons, daughters, anybody in the city, get them out of here and now we're going to destroy this place. The outcries of victims here to God are deafening. We've been sent to blast this place into oblivion. Lot went out and warned the fiancés of his daughters, evacuate this place. God is about to destroy this city. But his daughters would be husbands, treated it as a joke. At the break of day, the angels pushed Lot to get going. Hurry, get your wife and two daughters out of here before it's too late and you're caught in the punishment of the city. Lot was dragging his feet. The men grabbed Lot's arm and the arms of his wives and his daughters. Uh, um, there's another translation that says, and Lot lingered. You know what it is to linger. He hesitated. You know, when I read that part of the scripture, I then wondered... When the angel said the outcry is deafening in God's ear, who was making that cry? Who do you think was making the cry? Perhaps Lot, perhaps the blood of people who were crying out. You know, if you were Lot crying out and God sends help, what do you think you should do? Why did he linger? It was a what? He was resisting the move and Lot lingered. And he said, now run for your life. Don't look back. Don't stop anywhere on the plane. Run for the hills or you will be swept away. So the instructions were very clear. You either run or you'll be destroyed with the city. But Lot protested. He said, no, masters, you can't mean it. <laughs> you can't mean it. God, you can't, be, you can't really be serious. This thing you're asking me to do, God, are you sure? Is it... You, you know, sometimes we have those discussions. <laughs> God, come on. You can't. <laughs> no, now. You know, this 29. And this Lagos, God. You know, we don't do like that now in Lagos. You can't mean it. I know that you've taken a liking to me and have done me an immense favor in saving my life. Can I run for the mountains? The angels then said, all right, Lot, if you insist, I'll let you have your way. I won't stamp out the town you've spotted. And this is the mercy of God. He said, but hurry up. Run for it. I can't do anything until you get there. The sun was high in the sky when Lot arrived at Zohar. Then God rained brimstone and fire down on Sodom and Gomorrah, a river of labor from God out of the sky and destroyed these cities and the entire plain and everyone who lived in the cities and everything that grew from the ground. But Lot's wife looked back and turned into a pillar of salt. Abraham got up early the next morning, went to the place he had so recently stood with God. He looked out over Sodom and Gomorrah, surveying the whole plain. All he could see was smoke belching from the earth like smoke from a furnace. Now remember in the chapter before, Abraham had engaged God in prayer. And he was praying over that city because his nephew Lot was there. So he looked up and then he saw the smoke and he knew that God had destroyed the city. Okay. And if you look, if you read further down, you will read how his daughters, now this Lot's daughters, how his daughters got him into the mountains and said, we're here with our father. There's no hope for any future for us. So let's get him drunk and sleep with him. So they got him drunk. The first one got him drunk, slept with him, got pregnant. The second one got him drunk, slept with him, got pregnant. And then they gave birth to Moab and Ammon. 
And Moab and Ammon, if you continue to read the scriptures, became tribes that troubled the people of God all through their existence. And as I read the scripture, you know, I just realized that Lot's wife created a vacancy that allowed even after God had saved Lot and his family, that allowed the devil intervene. And that happens many times when God is saying, move forward and we're doing what? We're looking back. You're creating a vacancy, you know, and we need to, in this day, all right, get up because there's nothing that is different from that day, the day of Lot. And, you know, Jesus, when Jesus was speaking in Luke 17, he was talking to some people. He said to them, remember Lot's wife. Why did he say, remember Lot, remember Abraham, remember? There were so many other people God, you know, Jesus would have said to them to remember. But he said to them, the day you're living in is the same as the days of Noah. Is the same as the days of Lot. Okay, so let's look at the days of Noah. You know, and please take the scriptures down so that you can go back and you can study them because we really do not have the time. But in Genesis 6, the same word that came to Lot, God said, I'm going to destroy this place. The outcry of sin in this land is too much. I'm going to destroy this place. You know, when I read that scripture, the first thing that came to my mind was, God, what is the outcry in our own day? today there is no difference blood cries i hope we know that you remember the story of cain and abel and when you think of the blood of the innocent people that are crying out of this country you will realize that there is no difference between our day and the days of lot and the days of noah let's look at the day of noah there was busyness if you go to that scripture it will tell you that the people were busy and it was a corrupt generation. They were very corrupt and there was a lot of violence. And the scripture says there was unrestrained sin. You know, there are many things we're seeing today and we're going, ah, it didn't start now. Homosexuality didn't start today. Violence, killing, cheating, stealing, murdering people in their sleep, killing innocent people, raping women did not start today. It happened in Noah's day. There was also the mockery of God and the prophet. Because when Noah went to tell the people what he was doing, guess what? They had a good laugh. I can imagine them coming out every day and looking at him building his ark. Ah, this man is very serious. So. And you know, it took him a long time. So, you know, they'll look and look and somebody will say, don't worry, one day go tired. But he went on and on because he heard the voice of God. And what was the result? There was judgment and there was destruction by the flood. God cleared that generation out and said what? I'm going to start again with Noah. The same thing in the day of Lot. Same behavior, same characteristics. Busyness, corruption, selfishness. Imagine you having a visitor and people are coming to knock on your door and say, please bring out your visitor. I want to sleep with him. Imagine that. Imagine how unrestrained sin was for Lot to then say, please leave my visitor, take my daughter. My daughter has never slept with a man. Please take her. And the people said, no. 
We don't want your daughter. We want the men. Bring them out. And when Lot was even trying to say, you know, this thing you're, you're planning to do is evil. My friend, who are you? Are you from here? Where are you from? You know, so there was so much unrestrained sin. What did God do? Destruction. We just read it in Genesis 19. But when we look at our day, the day in Luke 17 that is called the day of the Son of Man, and that is today, is the same busyness. We're eating, we're drinking, we're making merry. Is that wrong? No. The eating, the drinking is a necessity of life, isn't it? To go to work, to come back. You know, but that busyness that leaves no room for God in your life is what the Bible is talking about. There's so much corruption. You know, the corruption is so bad that, I mean, the, I sent my driver somewhere and he came back with the change and everybody in the office was, he gave you change. Even I was, I said he's new. You know, we're, we're all amazed. Yeah. He brought my change. It wasn't a lot of money. It was maybe 120 naira. But he brought it back. He said, Madam, this is your change. <laughs> I said, don't worry, he's new. Then I sent him on another errand. I put some money in his account. He said, this is how much I spent. This is how much is left. I said, is he for real? You know, we've become so embedded in the corruption that it's normal. It's normal. You get to the airport, you want to travel, they want to check your bag. The first thing you do is, oh, guy, take, take, I'm late. It, it's, it's just normal. We're cheating, we're lying, we're stealing. And it's just, it's just, in fact, if you don't do it, you are the aberration. If you're not doing it, I have a boyfriend, I haven't slept with him, how will you know? Are you okay? You have to test him or test her. You know it's forever. We've become embedded in it. We're self-absorbed. Do you know how we pray? Me included though. Wake up in the morning. Ah, see what this girl posted though. Ah, she traveled. Why did these people put this meeting today? We're completely self-absorbed. Self-absorbed. You know, one day I was in my car and I was saying to God, I said, God, I wish we could go back to the days when there was no iPad, no phone. I said, God, this thing will spoil my life. Why? I wish we could go back. The Lord said to me, rebuke that thought. There's no going back. And he said to me, you know, as you move forward, these things will become more. So what do you do? You build capacity. You build capacity for the day. We're so self-absorbed. Nobody wants to hear what God is saying. Especially when what God is saying doesn't fit what you think he should say. You know, we're telling God what to say. 
So, Lord, you know, I want to travel now. So, I need you to give me money. Just anoint this trip. Did God say you should go? We're telling God, Father, Lord, you see that brother in church is anointed. He's my husband. Just show me to him in the dream. That's the one. We're completely, you know, one million and one selfies. Then we post them on Instagram. Then we spend the whole day on Instagram checking how many likes. And then people are saying they're depressed because somebody on Instagram did not like them. You know, we're just we're completely self-absorbed. I hope you know Instagram is like Monopoly. That you have Monopoly house in Mayfair. It's not real. It doesn't make you a big boy. It's... it's it, 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 it. I'm sorry, but honestly, you know how you are playing Monopoly and you have that street that has Regent, Mayfair. <laughs> you can post your this and they're liking you. It's Monopoly. Don't, don't worry yourself. But he must increase. God must increase. If we're going to survive this very, very last day, which is called today. God must do what? He must increase. There's so much fear. Even amongst brethren. I pray with a group of women. And one day I said to them, how come we've been praying? You know, you guys send in prayer topics. We pray. Nobody sends in testimony. You will only send in, oh, somebody died. Then everybody in the group will be sad. You know, somebody's house. I said, but I know personally because some of them will tell me personally can you see what the Lord has done they don't want to tell it somebody said ha ah, if I post it now that the, the, the miracle we, I said are you kidding me <laughs> something God did for you so when you testify the, the, the blessing we retreat but the scripture says we overcome by the word of our testimony. You are afraid that if I share my testimony, if I say, ha, ah, God has honestly just wait. The day God blesses me, I will show you my bank balance. It's okay. I will show you. Because I want people to know that God is good. Who do we think God is? She actually said to me, if I share the testimony now, I said, excuse me. We're afraid. Some of us can't sleep. We're living in fear. There's so much sickness. Gone are the days when you had faith to lay your hands on someone and pray for them to be healed. We're saying, what if I, what if I, what if I lay my hands and he's not healed? Are you the healer? You're a vessel. What if you lay your hands and he's healed? And then there's mockery of God and the church. More than ever before in this day, there's mockery of God and the church. I'm sure you read all the things that are posted, that are said about men of God, that are said about God. And the faith of many people have just looked at us and they've been like, <laughs> you know people have turned away from God but God is not going to bring a flood neither is he going to rain down brimstone 
What is he going to do? Salvation. Transformation. How is he going to do it? You. In the day of Noah and the day of Lot, he used a flood and fire and cleared out the people so that he could raise what sons unto himself. But in today, how is he going to raise sons? You. Say me. I'm the flood and the fire. You are the resource that God is going to use. It is your transformation that will declare his testimony on the earth. It is your transformation. That's why the scripture says, for the earnest expectation of creation is eagerly waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. When the earth is groaning, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for you. When institutions are groaning, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the sons of God. They're waiting for you to get up, to rise up, to speak where you work, to speak where you live, to speak where you play, to stand as God's son, to stand as God's representative. He says the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. You are that hope. You are the hope of God in this generation. And when God is waiting for you to arise and you are lingering and you are looking back, what do you think will happen to creation? There are people that will never hear of Christ until you speak. There are people that will never be baptized in the Holy Ghost until you lay hands on them. There are people that will never rise up in prayer until you pull their hands and you say, come, let us pray together. There are people that will never understand the scriptures until you sit down and you begin to teach them what the word of God is. That is the hope of God. That you will be transformed and you will bring him into your environment. But what a pain it is when God is hoping and we're lingering. We're double checking, we're thinking. And then even those of us who have moved a bit forward, we're doing what? We're looking back. Paul says, not that I have already attained, I'm already perfected, but I do what? I press on. I press on. Why? That I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. He didn't save you so that you will go to heaven. You will go. Don't worry. But he didn't save you. The sum total of your salvation is not the heavenly race. I don't want to sin. I'm not going to talk to anybody today. I'm just doing my own jejeli. No, but no. You are his hope. So that he puts you in the earth. He says, Mary is there. Don't worry. Mary is there. Ibim is there. She's got it. She's there. Ah, Zena is there. Adiola is there. ID is there. You are God's hope. 
And without you, our generation will remain hopeless. And people will die in sin. I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Your Christian journey cannot go like this. You are looking for purpose behind you. You are looking for God's counsel, but you are looking for it where? Behind you. Paul says, I forget. Forget those things. Press on. It is impressing on that we truly occupy that space as his hope. Why can't we press on? Inertia. That complacency. Oh God, I've prayed for one hour now. You know, I got born again in SU. Hmm? If I sing this song and you know it, you are really tame defeat. <laughs> God has something to say. God has something to say. Ah, my brother, you have to. I salute you. <laughs> you are generals of the faith. You know, when we, when we, when we attend, I even know the hand clapping. You have to. I greet you. You know, when we come for fellowship, SU, that's the opening song. God help you if you don't have a scripture to say. When, listen, listen, pay great attention for God has something to say. So, so, so we land on you, then you will, you will say a scripture. And John 3.16 was banned. <laughs> John 3.16 was banned. So you couldn't say John 3.16. And then you couldn't say any scripture anyone else had said <laughs> Jesus wept <laughs> so that's where I grew up and before you go for fellowship it then meant you would do what oh my god and it's King James version yeah, well that was the only version then I, can't, I don't think there were other. It was just King James at that time. So, you know, I look back at those times and I realize that some of the things that give me speed today are things that I learned in the past. How to just stay in the Word of God. Inertia can affect you any which way. It says, for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. It is of the world. How does it affect you spiritually? When God wakes you and says, come my daughter, let's pray. You get up. It's 2 a.m. Ah. You know this Lagos, Lord. To make it to work for 8, you don't have to get up at 5. This 2 a.m. is not working. So you do what? Cover yourself back. Go back to sleep spiritual inertia prayer is food there's no other thing that will make you grow apart from prayer and the word honestly but it must be consistent it's prayer and the word 
And if we do not create time for it, then our spirit man will not grow. There's so much spiritual inertia. We're not hearing what God is saying now. Why are we not hearing what God is saying now? Because we got a word before. And instead of moving back, we're looking at that word we had before. We have used that word to build a monument when God is saying movement. What is God saying now? Does the Holy Spirit teach you the word? When you sit to read the Bible, are you reading it to tick the boxes so that when the soul falls on you, you have a scripture? Or are you reading it so that you will know who he is? That's inertia. That the only time I'm studying the Bible is because, okay, Pastor Mo says, ah, I did, I'm going to share in church. Then I bring out my decks. In fact, I actually remember that I had decks concordance. And I went to look for it. That's when you bring it out. They actually studying. Ah, what does this mean? That's the only time. That's inertia. It's lethargy. No movement. It is the loss of the eyes that takes you away from looking at the Father. When your eyes have turned away from the Father, then you are engaged in the eating, the drinking, the merriment, the corruption, the self-absorption, the sickness, the fear. That is the loss of the eyes. Your eyes must be focused on the Father. Do you not know that who you look at, you will become? How did Jacob become a rich man? He said to his father-in-law, take this um, sheep. Give me the spotted and the speckled, right? Because they believed that the spotted and the speckled were weak. And, and what did he do? He then created out of a plant, spots and speckles. And he put it in front of the sheep. Every time they were mating, they were looking at it. Every time they were eating and drinking water, they were looking at it. And every offspring they gave birth to was spotted and speckled and became his. Whatever you look at, you become. When your eyes, your focus, your vision remains here in today, you become. But when your eyes are on him, guess what? You become like him. There's a scripture that says, as we continue to gaze at him, we, you will be transformed. That is the transformation that the day requires. That we will turn away and we'll put our focus, we'll put our eyes on him. You wake up in the morning, you're looking at him. During your day, you're looking at him. You come back, you're looking at him. You're hearing him, you're consulting him. What is the lust of the flesh? You know, sometimes we, we make excuses for, in our generation, in today, we have perfected the art of making excuses for the wrong thing. Ah, and God, you know, the, the spirit is willing, and then you use scripture to organize it. But the flesh is weak. What are you involved in? Somebody posted something and said, oh, um, Christians are into pornography. And we say it's okay. 
It's not okay. Some of us have strongholds. We have addictions. Those things need to be broken. You are God's hope. You are God's hope. You cannot transform the generation that is looking at you when you're doing the same things. You have the same pain. That's why they're mocking the church. I'm sleeping with my own girlfriend now. The pastor is sleeping with his own girlfriend. We're okay. No, it's not okay. It is the lust of the flesh. It can be broken. We do things in secret. Nobody knows. You finish doing it. You clean your face. You wash your hands. You come back. You raise holy hands. Nobody knows. It's the lust of the flesh. It needs to be broken. It's not okay. We're children of God. We are God's hope. God is hoping. He's waiting for you to rise up and to say enough. I've had enough. We're masturbating and we're saying, oh, masturbation is okay. At least I'm not doing it with another person. It's not okay. It can be broken. Some of us get on Friday night drunk, stone drunk. Just a little for the stomach's sake. You are God's hope. And these things can be broken. And then we have the pride of life. Pastor Mo talked about it last Sunday. Do you guys remember that message? Change your what? It's the pride of life. Honestly, everybody now has a hater. Even people that nobody knows. You now post a picture and say, Oh, you haters. My hater. My, I don't, I don't understand. Everybody's a hater. If everybody is a hater around you, how do you share the love of God? How do you speak? How do you express yourself as his hope? It is the pride of life. We've become so proud, so arrogant. See, in SUA, if you, if you do one, one small thing you will just do, they will just give you back bench. You sit down in the back bench. I remember one time my brother, my half-brother came to see me on campus. And we're walking around campus. His hand was on my shoulder. My hand was around the waist, his waist. We went to eat, went to my room, just walked around. I was happy my brother was there. And then I was summoned. And I was worship leader. You were seen on campus walking around with a man's hand. I said, oh, me, I was even, he's my brother. I said, how do people around you know that that is your brother? You are going to sit on the back bench. Yes. If it is in our day, what will you do? Change church. Who are you? Nobody can correct us today. Who born you? I'll let you know God. Anything God is saying to you, saying to me. We don't submit to anyone today. We don't take correction. We don't listen. After all, now the Bible is not only in King James. So if you read the King James, you don't understand it. Read message. What else? I sat there two weeks. I didn't lead worship. Where will I go to? We're so proud. Change the way you think. Change the way you think. 
Where do we go from here? I want us to take away from here things that we can do. You must surrender daily. Daily, every day. Surrender. You know why you must surrender? Your flesh is not your friend. And so you must surrender so that God will help you every day. He says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blaze the way, all these veterans. It means we had better get on with it. Creation is waiting. So what's the scripture saying to you? Also, hurry up. Get on with what you need to do. Every day you are carrying a weight. Every day you are falling down in sin. Lay that aside. Strip down. Do what? Start running. Start running. That was the same thing the angel said to Lot. Run. Lot was lingering. What did the angel do? He grabbed him. There's an urgency. The same urgency in the spirit, children of God. Start running. If you haven't been praying, this is the time to get up. Pray some more. If you've been praying, pray more than what you've been praying. Speak in tongues. Preach the word of God. Confront the systems that surround you every day. Make yourself known where you live, where you work. Let people know who you are. Start running. Don't quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Those things that easily beset us. Says my nature. In our family, this is how we used to be angry. You are no longer in your family. You are now a citizen of heaven. In heaven, that's not how they used to be angry. It's not your nature. Start running. But as you run, what do you do? You focus. When your eyes are on Jesus, then the lust of the eye has no room. There is no space. Keep your eyes on Jesus. You're running. You're looking. Okay, Jesus, uh, this is how to do it. Yes, go. you're running. But your focus is on Jesus. That's your focus. Study how he did it. How did he do it? Do you think he wasn't tempted? Bible says he faced the same temptation, same feelings. He did. He never lost sight of where he was headed. Sometimes we think that, you know, we're only just here for here. Let's just be successful here because we're here for here and now. There's something bigger than you, bigger than here, bigger than now. And God is anointing you to be part of that thing that is bigger. So don't limit yourself. Don't build a monument when God is saying move. God is saying run. God is saying move. He put up with anything along the way. Cross, shame, whatever. Why? Because he knew where he was going. And he says now he's there. So he's our example. That is the first thing. That you surrender daily. You put your eyes on Jesus daily, daily, daily. You know, in SUN, when you come to fellowship, sorry, I'm just going back. 
when you come to fellowship, then they will ask, how many of you had quiet time? Then you raise your hand. Then they will ask you, how long did you pray for? Ten minutes. Go to the back. How can you be praying for? Go to the back. How many times you pray for? Fifteen. Do better next time. No, go to the back. Can you be praying for fifteen minutes? Your source of strength is like. Let let me give you an analogy. What God showed to me. I come home. I have a particular place where I charge my devices. I can't sleep until I've charged them. Why? Because the next day, I need them. And if they are not charged, <laughs> it's almost as if somebody has cut off a blood vessel. I was at the airport. I saw a young girl, very young girl, just running from passenger to passenger. She wasn't even greeting anybody. Do you have charger? Do you have charger? Do you have charger? She wasn't even, she wasn't even stopping enough to say Samsung charger. Do you have charger? And you could see the anxiety that her phone will die. Honestly, if you ask her, who is going to call you? Nobody. Nothing. Nothing of any value. But that's how we are. In your car, you have chargers. Then you have power bank in your bag. Then you have the main charger at home. Why are you doing that? So that at any time T, your battery will not but how about your spirit man? Where do you charge him? Where? You come home, you eat, you sleep. Your spirit is crying. Help me please, let's just connect. Mm. Sleep. You get up in the morning, the spirit is crying. How are we going to face the day? There's temptation now. What will I wear, self? Hurry up, or these Lagos will speak in tongues in the car. Put on your sin, the trim. Just be repeating after anything she's saying. Your spirit man is crying. You come back home, same thing. Then you tell the spirit that don't worry, on Sunday, Pastor Mo will pray. You'll be charged. And you will be, honestly. So you come on Sunday, you're charged. You're walking in God's power. Then you come out, you know, the same way you are checking, causing this. Your spirit is draining. Then you wait till another Sunday. But you are the hope of God. You are God's hope. How do we break free? Angelic assistance. Do you know some of you, you've actually entertained angels and you did not know? Because sometimes angels present themselves as humans. You wouldn't know. What happened to Lot? When God said, run, and he was lingering, what did the angels do? Grab them. He says he will give his angels charge over you. We will ask for angelic assistance. This is Elijah, man of God. After he had, you know, killed all the prophets of Baal. Ahab went and told Jezebel. You know, Ahab, everything, he'll go and tell Jezebel. Because Jezebel was the doer. He was the reporter. 
went to go and tell Jezebel. She said, eh, I will deal with him. Don't worry. When he heard that, what did he do? Took off. He ran away. He said, God, kill me now. Kill me. He says, take my life. I'm no better than my father's. The scripture says, then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, an angel touched him, said to him, arise, eat. And when he looked, by his head was a cake baked on coals. So he ate and drank, and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back. Why did he come back? We didn't wake you to lay down. He came the second time. He said, arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. Eat. Get up. Move. And he moved in that strength. So we will ask God for help. Our God is a helper. He's a helper. Let him send help for everybody who is lingering, stuck in that place of passivity. Lethargy has just consumed you. You want to do certain things. You're trying to move forward, but you're looking back. What else can we do? Fellowship. You see, sometimes when you're in the fellowship here, it's very hard to make a connection, but I want to encourage you to make a connection. You know why? Love covers a multitude of sins. Find somebody who loves you. I'm not talking of husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend love, please. Find a brother, a sister, you know, that can push you, that can help you, that can mentor you. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another. I have people I can go to and say, ah, if you know what I did today, my brother, I sinned. I have people in my life I can do that with. I have people in my life I can expose myself to. Why can I do that? I can do that because I know they love me. I know that they are praying for me. And I know that they will seek godly counsel on my behalf. I know. Pastor Nigel is here. I've called him countless times. I'm sure if they, if they check his phone, I'm the most frequent caller. Not just the caller, the crier. So sometimes I go, <laughs> I can't even talk to this man. <laughs> Find people like that. Like the angel said to Elijah, you see this journey, it's great. You think it's easy to be God's hope? It's a journey ahead of you. I have a prayer partner. I have a prayer partner. I've had her for years. So when she calls in the middle of the night, I get up. When I call her in the middle of the night, she gets up. But we're doing what? We're praying. And prayer is doing what? It's bringing movement. And movement is doing what? It's bringing transformation. So that I can stand as the hope of God. Those are the things we can do. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't take your eyes off him. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Stay charged up. 
you know how I test myself? Before I'm charging my phone now, or charging my iPad, I ask myself, have you prayed? So if that phone, in fact, I went out one day, and then when I came back, my husband said, I've been trying to reach you. I said, my phone is not charged. He said, why? There was no prayer that day. Let all of us be down. Mm. Let all of us be down. There was no prayer. Why will I be charging it? To do what? What am I trying to do? When the charge that gives life is empty. And then I began to pray. God send me help from heaven. Send me help from heaven God. I pray that prayer every day for one year. Send me help. Coming into Ecclesia for me was help from heaven. Because I, I roamed, 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 roamed. Finding fellowship with people, I can tell. I'm very weak. I did this so, Pastor Mo. In fact, if you hear what I did, be more. Hey. You organize backbench. And I'm not afraid to do that. Because I know he's a priest after the order of Jesus and he understands my humanity. And he will pray and he will pull me back. There is therefore now no condemnation. Yeah. You are God's hope. You are God's hope. Let us just pray. Let us pray. Raise your voice, raise your voice, raise your voice. Marabakande remoshi de bo santeya ha. Lebro sundoroboshi de 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 de. Kendre borobo sigege de de bo sigede ke de 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 de. Lemo sandele de sigege zebrendoro hushanda basibeboska. Rege de 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 sigede keria basindre morobo shindele de de kire babasibeboshetea ha. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org. 